Um, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've missed a couple weeks, um, and maybe you've been here for the last four weeks. What we've been doing is, and we're going to have a cool study um, today, kind of like what we did last week. Uh, a lot of it is verse by verse, and um, we're going to have a good time with this. But what we're doing is we are looking at a title called The Great Danger. And, you know, when you look at The Great Danger, there are so many things you can talk about. Like, think about this. Everything can be dangerous. My goodness. Too much of a good thing is dangerous, right? So, so there's so much danger that you could, talk, you, could, you could speak on. So, like, for me, it's been like a struggle. Like, Lord, what do you want to share uh, so in his word and in prayer, I've just been grabbing key things. But it's funny because sometimes I grab these things like, no, but this would be so much better if I do it this way. And I feel like God sometimes is like, well, I don't care what you think would be better. And um, so I'm just kind of, I'm really just going to share what God has put in my heart throughout the week. Even though I thought, well, if I do this, it would be better. It would be more catchy. for our. <laughs> but God has an awesome way of doing things, doesn't he? So for the last three weeks, let's, let's kind of touch base on, on where we've been, and we've discussed some very important and crucial points. Uh, week one, we looked into not losing the awe of God in our lives. How many of you were here for that one? You know, don't lose the awe of God. That's a dangerous thing to lose the awe of God. Week two, we discussed uh, seeing Christ clearly, that fog area, and um, the importance of seeing Christ and not letting that fog get in the way, and sometimes we do see this wrong, remember, that, that was a good message by Phil, we see this wrong Christ, and he talked about the other Jesus, and sometimes we see the other Jesus, and it doesn't mean that that's the right Jesus, so that's good. When we live in a world where so many people, so many churches are preaching that other Jesus, and we're like, oh, that's not the Jesus of the Bible, but whatever. Week three, um, which was last week, we spoke on taking advantages of the platforms. Uh, we talked about platforms, the opportunities that God has given us, those platforms. And uh, I know that blessed my life. I don't know how many of you were blessed last week. All right? So today's week four of The Great Danger. And um, today's message, it's two words. The title is, and here it is, ready? You can write this down in your notes. It's titled, Keep Out. Keep Out. Um... I remember, well, still, I'm going to be, I'm 33 years old, and any time I go to someone's house and uh, I see a sign that says, like, keep out um, or beware of dogs, like, that stuff freaks me out, you know, because, and then I hate the signs that, like, it's like, keep out dogs or something, or beware of dogs, and then it's like a chihuahua comes, rah, 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 and it's like, Shh. you know, you thought there was going to be some sort of, you know, pit bull mixed with I don't know what or a rock. And then it's like a little dog that you could kick it and, and you could end its life. But we're dog lovers here, so we're not going to do that. But, but the truth is that phrase, keep out, keep out. And if you scream it, doesn't it have like a negative tone to it? Keep out. But today, as it has a negative tone to it, I hope you see the positive behind it. Uh, because when Christ calls us to keep out, it's not necessarily negative. It's actually a very positive thing, and I hope you guys catch that today. And so, so that's today's message, keep out. shouldn't take long. I think we're going to get straight to the point, and um, we'll have a good time. And anytime we open up Scripture here at New Life, I, I just feel like we have a good time, right? Uh, my favorite movies, how many of you could agree with me, are the movies that have every emotion in it. You know what I'm saying? You got a little bit of blood because you're a man for the men. You got, you, you got a little bit of tears because you're emotional. 
You get some laughter because their parts are funny. You get all these weird emotions. That's a good movie. It messed with all my little psyche. And um, uh, I think we do that a lot here at New Life. When we get into the Word, God kind of messes with all, a little bit of all of our emotions, doesn't he? Um, so I pray that today we just have a good time in his Word. So, so let's get into this. You're in John chapter 17. That's where I asked you to turn into, and, and we're going to start off there. And we're gonna, if you could put your eyes on verse 9 with me. Go to verse 9. And let me give you a little update here of what's happening. Moments before Jesus' arrest in Gethsemane, he spent some time, okay? And, and Jesus is spending some time in prayer. I, I want you to catch this. Jesus is at a point of his life where he knows he's about to be arrested. And as he knows he's about to be arrested, he, he begins to pray and he begins to cry out to the Father. And I love I love how we struggle and we justify and we give excuses, right, to, uh, to not pray. But all over Scripture, we see that Jesus was ridiculously um, just, like, convicted in prayer. He was, just, he was just, like, everything about him was, like, prayer. In the morning, the disciples would wake up. Where's Jesus? He's up on a mountain praying. I mean, so here we are in Jesus' end of his life. He's day, days away before his crucifixion hours away and what is he doing he's praying and it's an amazing lesson that you and i could learn but i'm not talking about the danger of not praying today but but you could kind of like just jot that in your heart because jesus never justifies it well i'm god so i really don't have to pray because you know kind of i'm talking to myself but it's not an excuse he continues to pray and he's always in prayer you know what's so amazing i don't know why i'm talking about prayer but he's on the cross and he's dying. Guess what he's doing on the cross? He's praying, Father, forgive. And it's so weird. It's so awesome that he's showing us that he's always in prayer. And then we're like, oh, so then I should do the same. So here he is, moments before his arrest. He's in prayer. And as he prays, he's praying for three specific people or peoples, persons. And the three people or groups that he's praying for is, number one, he's praying for himself. Number two, he's praying for his disciples. And number three, right before he's going to get arrested, he's praying for all believers. Himself, disciples, and all believers. I want to look at a segment of his prayer. One of his very last prayers with his father. And it's found, like I told you, in John 17. And we're going to look at verse 9. And this is the prayer in which he's praying for the disciples. Just follow along with me and let's get a feel for the heart of Christ as he prays uh, for his disciples. And, and how many of you know that you are a disciple of Jesus if you're a believer? Amen? So let's get into this. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11 says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these, being his disciples, they're, st they're still here. They're in the world. And, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given me. So, so he's like, keep my disciples. They're, I'm leaving. I'm not part of this world, but they're still here. Keep them. Keep the ones you've given me. For those whom you gave me, I've kept. And none of them is lost except, and then he kind of throws Judas in there. Except the son of perdition, one translation, the son of destruction. And Judas just had it all messed up from the beginning. But 
That scripture might be fulfilled, verse 13, but look at this. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that, that they may have my joy. That's amazing. That these guys that I've been with for three years or so, that they could have my joy. I love that it says my joy, right? Because you can have the world's joy. You can have his joy, her joy, their joy. But Christ is like, no, 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 no. no. Lord, that you give them my joy. The only one that lasts. The only one that's true. The only one that's faithful. Give them my joy. That they may have my joy fulfilled in them. 14. For I have given them your word. How many of you could say amen? Christ has given you his word. Like, like, stop for a moment. Christ didn't have to give you his word, but Christ gave you his word. We walk around with it now if we want. Shoot. Some of us walk around with it on our phones. And we're just like, yeah, I feel like getting into the word. And we just slide it and we go to the Bible app and boom, we're in the word. Some of us walk around with I mean, Christ has given us his word. And, and it goes on, he says, and the world has hated them, but that was that week's message, and I don't want to repeat that message again. Because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. What did you get out of this whole thing right here? We're not done yet. I want to get through 15 through 19, but give me a moment. Because when I read, when I read verses 9 through 14, I don't know about you, but it sounds almost as if Christ is giving a final update on how it's all gone for his disciples, right? It's kind of like, um, Lord, this is kind of like an update, kind of checking in. This is how the disciples have done. This is what I've done with them. This is what's happening here. And it's almost like if he's giving a final update on how it's all gone with his disciples. But not only that, it's like if he's also saying and describing how he wishes for it to finish or how he wants it for it to finish. It's, it's a very interesting prayer. But then I started to read. I, I, I remember reading this in, in Scripture, and I stopped there, and I started to think about that. Man, Jesus has a, has a way about himself, you know? But then when I read 15, actually, if you were to look at my notes, you'll see it's all bold. It, it really is all in bold. I, I, I made it bold. But look, because look what he says in verse 15. Just flow with me for a moment. He says this. I do not pray. Remember everything he just said? They're in this world. People hate them because they're in my word. They're not of this world. Um, we talked about platforms, persecutions. They're going to go through it. So keep them in my joy, right? We talked about all that stuff. Now in verse 15, he says this. I mean, God, can you imagine Jesus? Like, I'm not really praying that you kind of like kill them and take them out of this world. <laughs> it's awesome. Every time I have to describe to someone like, man, I just want to be with Jesus already. I have to always stop and say, wait, I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm suicidal and I want to let, like, but I just want to be with Jesus. I, you can almost see that here. Here's Jesus. He's like, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world. That's not what I'm asking, like end their lives. Look what he's telling the Father. I want you to focus this because I underlined this and emboldened it. But that you should what? Keep them. Keep them from the evil one. That's powerful. I'm going to preach on that. Because they're not of this world. Verse 16. Just as I am not of the world. And look at 17. Very important verse. We will break this down today. Verse 17 says, sanctify them. Everyone say sanctify. sanctify. Right, get used to that word. Say it one more time, sanctify. sanctify. We're going to say that word a lot today. Sanctify them by your truth. 
uh, ESV says, sanctify them in the truth. Because your word is truth. Your word is the truth in which you sanctify them in. That's what he's saying there. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Remember last week? He's sending his disciples out. Go, go, go to the world and don't take anything with you. Go. He's praying this to his father. I've sent them just like you sent me. And then in 19, he says, and for their sakes, I'm going to, at the end of today's message, I'm going to end with verse 19. Look what he says. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Let's get into this today. Here's Jesus, and as he prays to the Father, he asks the Father to keep his disciples, to make them one, Lord, or Father, sorry, as you and I are one. That's what he's praying. Let them have joy, he's praying, and let them see that like me, they're not of this world. I, I want you just to stop for a moment, ponder. If you want to write that in your notes, you can. But I want you just to think of this. I know it's hard because watch this. Your whole entire life you've been in this world, right? But here comes a man, steps into the scene and says this. Hey, wait a minute. If you're in me, you're not of this world. Can you just imagine that, hearing that for the first time? You're not of this world. You're not from here. What would you say to a man like that? You're crazy. I, I am. I was born here, and, and I can tell you exactly. Like, like, think about what Jesus is trying to say here. Just like I'm not in this world, you're not of this world. And then he says, sanctify them in the truth, sanctify them in the word. And I told you just right now that verse 15 caught my attention. Why did it catch my attention? Look what he says, and I'm going to repeat this a lot. Father, I'm not praying that you take them out, but that you keep them away from the evil one. Father, keep them out. Keep them out of what? Out of evil. And from the evil one, keep them out of trouble. Keep them out of sin. Make, may, may you keep them out from, from he and that which is wrong, which is filthy, which is dark, which is evil. And in verse 17, he gives us the answer on how to keep out. Everyone say keep out. Right, because that's today's message. He He's giving us the answer on how to keep out of evil things. How do you keep out of evil things? Easy, verse 17. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see, the way that you and I, the way that disciples, the way that his followers are to keep out of evil and its enticement is through the process called sanctification. You could write that. Sanctification is key to a believer's life. And here's Jesus in this prayer and he says, keep out. How? How do you keep out? Sanctify them in truth. Your word is that truth that you sanctify them in. You see, sanctification in the life of a Christian is a lifelong process. You should write that. Because when you get fed up and you get tired and God is dealing with you, you go back to your notes and you recognize what you wrote down. Sanctification, oh yeah, that's right. It's a lifelong process. God's not what? God's not done with me yet. How many of you can say amen? Hey, can everyone breathe in? Can everyone breathe out? Right. Evidence that God's not done with you. 
Evidence. Evidence. Another breath that he gives because he's not done. And because I'm not done, you keep out of evil. And I sanctify you in truth. And my word is that truth in which sanctifies you. But Lord, how long is it going to take? And he's like, what? He's like, what? Uh Uh-huh. Wrong. Wrong. How long does it take? Yeah, it's a lifelong process. Sanctification, it just continues to go. When you think you've made it, guess what? Then you fall and you recognize, crap, I haven't made it yet. He's like, good, more sanctification for you. More of my holiness. More of my goodness, amen? One of the things that I really want to jump into as we deal with this is what the ESV study Bible, which I was reading it, it really uh, touched my heart. It tells us, and it, it, was, it was teaching through this scripture here, that sanctification involves two components. I want you to write down these two components. Number one, relational. Everyone say relational. Number two, moral. Everyone say moral. All right, we're going to talk about these two things for a few minutes. And we're going to tie it together with this prayer that Jesus is praying. Dealing with our sanctification and dealing with keeping out. Everyone there? Two components. The first one, relational. Just get with me. We're teaching today. Uh, Today is more like a teaching, so, so just flow with me. See, sanctification deals with the relational part of us. It deals with that. It touches that area of us. See, every man is capable, when I say man, man and woman in this room and outside of this room, is capable of separating themselves from the Lord. If you're a Christian today, are you capable of separating yourself from the Lord? Okay. I'm not saying losing your salvation right now. I'm talking about if you're a Christian today, can you find yourself separating yourself in areas from the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely, I have. Capable of separating ourselves from the Lord, or if it's not separating ourselves from the Lord, it's maybe just capable of of that we we stop participating in the things of the Lord, right? Nah. Nah. They're asking to. I'm not going to do that. I used to be like that. At the old church, nah, right? Have you, have you ever been there? Have we seen someone like that? So when it deals with our relationship, two things happen. We could separate from God or we could stop participating in the things of the Lord. And when we do these things, the result of such decisions is being influenced by evil. It is. We separate ourselves a little bit from the door and Satan's like, I'm here. Thank you for opening up the door. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming me. And I've seen that in my life, and I'm sure you've seen that in your life. I want you to catch this as we deal with the relational part of our lives. Part of the great danger is when we separate relationship from sanctification. You could write that. When we separate relationship from sanctification. We open the door for evil and we allow ourselves to be influenced by evil. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Rather than being influenced by the holiness of God. Two things will influence you in your life. The evil pattern of darkness or the majesty, the great holiness of your God. Amen? And and, and what is it that is influencing you, is pushing you, is filling you? 
See, our relationship with the Lord, I want you to catch this, is at its strongest when we are captivated, when we are enraptured with His holiness. That's when it's the strongest. It is. Have you ever heard, a, real quick, have you ever heard a couple say this, they're going through something or, or they're just in a rough patch or in their life, they're, they're together, they're going through something difficult and you talk to that couple and one of the things they say is, we just need to what? We just need to what for a little while? Oh, we don't have a participating crowd today. We just need to what? Get away for a little while. Go out to, to an island and just get away from everything. Turn off our phones. How many of you have heard a couple say that before? Right? What are they really saying? We need to set apart from everything for a time in our marriage. Why? Because that couple knows that when they set themselves apart from everything, did you guys know that that's the definition of holiness? We need to go and be holy for a little while. That's what that couple is saying. We need to set ourselves apart from our phones, from our computers, from our jobs, from our friends, from everything that we do in life, and just get it, just, just have fun, just me and you, baby, for a little while. Why? Because they recognize that in being set apart together and enraptured in that holiness, enraptured in that set apart together, that is when their relationship is the strongest. It doesn't change for us in Christ. Our relationship in this is the strongest when we do the same thing. Not just when I do it with my wife. Let's kind of get out for a little while. It's the same thing with God. Hey, the disciples were sleeping. What would Jesus do every, every morning? He just got away. Father, it's just me and you, baby. Because your relationship with your Lord is at its strongest when holiness has captivated it. How many of you could say Amen. What do you mean holiness? When being set apart is what it's all about. That's when your relationship is the strongest. How many are you in this room and today you've just said, no wonder, no wonder my walk with God is not good. Because I haven't gotten away with him for a long time. The alarms, how many, do not raise your hand, rhetorical question, keep your hands down, but open up your hearts. How many of you right now, the alarm just went ding, 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 ding. And God just said, duh. And, and it breaks down the relationship. When sanctification is not filling the relationship, when the holiness of God is not captivating us. Listen, sanctification, as I'm breaking it down to you, yes, it means holy, yes, it means set apart, but I love one definition. It puts it this way. Listen to this. To separate from profanity from profane things and dedicate to God. Isn't that an awesome definition? Separate from all profane things. Dedicate it to God. There is a great danger, listen church, when our lives, when our lives are separated away from the Lord instead of, watch, instead of our lives being separated into the Lord. Two totally different things. So today, are you separated from God or are you separated in God? You guys see the difference? I hope so. I hope so. Because if this has ever happened to you, if you've separated yourself, not in Christ, but away from Christ, you have seen how quickly your life becomes, listen to what I'm about to tell you, how easily your life becomes ensnared by profane things. 
Did you hear what I just said? How easily your life becomes ensnared by evil things. We become more carnal. We become more profane. We become much more darker. When the holiness, when the set apart with Christ is not captivating our lives. I hope I'm teaching this right. Are you guys, are you guys getting this? Because I'll go back to the beginning and start over if I messed up. <laughs> but I want to make sure you get this because I think so many Christians go through this. Not only does lack of sanctification, not only does lack of sanctification affect you relationally, but, but check this out. It also damages you morally as well. Amen? Let, let me explain to you what I mean. Why do we need sanctification in our morale? This is why I, I want you to catch this. I, I, think I've, I think I've exhausted the whole relationship thing. I, I want to jump into morality for a moment, morals. Because growth in holiness means growth in moral purity. What do you mean? That we need it. That we need more holiness in our attitudes, in our thoughts, and in our actions. How many of you could say yes? Uh, how many of you, I put the sticker of the church in my car. Great thing, right? It's been one of the hardest things for me. I'm in the parking lot. I'm not even going to tell you the story of the parking lot. For what? I, I already get judged too much. Imagine if I told that story. I'm going to be judged more. But it was in a good scene, the parking lot this week. My buddy had a heart attack this week, and I went to go visit him. And, um, you know, I'm frustrated. I want to get into the car seat. I want to see my friend who just had a heart attack. And, and um this old guy thought he was brave, and, and he got out of the car. I said, viejo, get back in the car, <laughs> you know? And uh, he didn't like, I guess, I told him to get back in the car, viejo. I haven't even told my dad the story because he's like, oh, you know what you told me? Because it's not a big deal. But, but um, the guy was funny, and I said, God, I have the sticker in my car. <laughs> Help me. It says, you are loved in my car, and it has the church <laughs> email. <laughs> I just had to drive away. Amen. Amen. For driving away, right? Sanctification is a lifelong process. And he taught me that in the garage <laughs> of Kendall Regional. But, but I'm going to be very honest with you guys today. I'm not one to deny that I need to grow in my attitude. How many of you could say me too? But not, not only there. I'm not one to deny that I still need to grow in my thoughts. Especially thoughts. My God, that's probably my worst enemy, my, my darn brain probably my worst enemy. I'm not one to deny that I need to grow in my actions. Come on. <laughs> Every hand should be up in this place. See, I want you to see the great danger of this. I want you to see, because I've known so many people that do this. They think they've made it. You know what I mean? By, they think they've made it. They think that their attitudes, their thoughts, their actions, they, oh man, we are moral people, we are holy people, we understand these areas, watch this, we have mastered this. Ready? Very, forget great, very dangerous to think that you've made it. Because the moment that we think that we've made it is when God shows us what? You know, you've fallen short, real short. What do you mean, God? Yeah, when you thought you made it, I'm going to remind you that you need so much more of me. You see, thinking we've made it 
stops us from searching and seeking him. But knowing that you haven't made it, it makes us long for more of him. Amen? Father, keep them from the evil one. Keep them out. Keep them out. So we need to keep out of all the things, of what things, of all these things that destroy our relational and our moral position before the Lord. I want you to know this. We, we need to keep out of anything that puts us in the danger of losing the connection with His sanctification. We need to keep out of anything that pollutes the path to holiness. Does everyone understand that? Because just like the prayer of Jesus Christ when he prays in verse 16 and 17, he's like, keep out. Keep out the pattern. Keep out the manner of this world. Why, Guys, come here. Why do you and I, and why does Jesus Christ pray, keep out of the lifestyle of this world, keep out in the mannerisms of this world, keep out in the thought process of this world? Why does he say that? What's the answer? Because you are what? Not of it. Watch this. So if you're not part of something, why live and act like you're part of that? Come on, man. That's a good part for an amen. Don't act and think and walk in something that you're not even part of. It doesn't make sense. It, it makes no sense for you to, to pretend you're part of something that you were never even called to be part of. So what does Jesus pray? Keep them out of this world because they're not of this world. Just like I'm not of this world, Father. Are you guys catching that? Keep them out. They're not, verse 16, they're not of the world. I'm not even of this world. So why should they be of this world? If not, I'd be fooling them. Verse 17, sanctify them. Sanctify them by what, church? Sanctify them in the what? In the truth. And what truth is it? Your truth, Father. See, great danger. Great danger. You heard it, right? When I stood up here, I went, danger, danger. <laughs> yeah, great danger is to have our mind like the world and to have our mind on the things of this world. That is a great danger. A massive danger. Why? We're not of it. So what am I trying to tell you? Keep out and keep in Christ. Keep out of the world and out of what your friends do and out of what your family is doing, out of the way that this world thinks. So what am I supposed to think like? You think the way Jesus thinks. Come on, someone. You do what the Word of God says to do. You live according to the Word of God. Not according to the world. W.E. and Thomas, one man said this, and I want to repeat this and quote him. And I think it's going to come up here, this quote. It says, to be, <laughs> not a good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. To be in Christ, that is redemption. To be in Christ, that is redemption. Good, that's good. That's redeeming. That's redemption. But look what it says next. But for Christ to be in you. <laughs> That is sanctification. Redemption is important. You need to be in Christ. But hey, don't ever forget that Christ also need be in you. So yes, you have been redeemed. But what good is his redemption without the lifelong process 
called sanctification. That's what he was trying to say there. Christ in us, his work of sanctification is working in us and through us. Ready, ready? It's working in us and through us. Sanctification is working in us and through us. How long, how long, how long? Forever, man. Forever. It's a lifelong process. What do you mean? You've never made it until you make it. That's the truth. You'll never make it until you've made it. And the moment that you've made it to reign with Jesus, you made it. You fulfilled the role of sanctification. But while you're on earth, the process of sanctification is an ongoing thing. And don't you ever separate yourself from that sanctification. Because in that sanctification, if you separate yourself from it, danger, danger. I need his sanctification. You want to know why I need his sanctification? Because I stink. And I kept it nice. And if you thought you didn't stink, I'm going to love you today. But you need his sanctification. Because we stink. Welcome to church. A church for stinky people. We are a church for stinky people. Because we have a good smelling God who sanctifies us through this process called life. And I will reach the end of my sanctification when I go to be with him. And I believe it's soon and very soon. I am going to see the king. Soon and very soon. I am going to see the king. Tito, remember that? Tito will be there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. New life is going to see the king. Watch this. How do we get there? Sanctification, huh? Holiness, huh? Set apart. Till when? Till you get there. You haven't made it until you made it. That would have been a good title for today's message. You haven't made it until you made it. Christ in us. How many of you could say Christ in me? How many of you could say Christ in me? How many of you can really say Christ in me? No? Uh, can you say it? Yeah, get used to that. Not only can how many say that, but how many of you today can say or even pray as the Lord did for us? Come on. Father, keep me from the evil one. How many of you could pray that today? Watch this. Watch, watch how it becomes relative. Watch how it becomes application to me today. Watch. Father, keep me from the evil one. Keep me from the evil one. Because I'm not of this world, just like you're not of this world. See how it's my prayer? Sanctify me by your truth. And Lord, your word is truth. See that prayer? So as I ask you how many of you could pray that and even say that in your own life, I can't not ask you my next question for today. It's this. So what is your truth? Can you answer that right now where you're at to yourself? What is your truth? Oh, man. When I'm having a bad day, 
Five glasses of wine does the work. That's your truth? That's the answer? When I'm having a bad day, I just sit in front of my TV, my computer, numb it all away. That's what does it for me. That's your truth? Oh, when I'm having a bad day, I, I just go to the beach, walk down the beach, put my ear, headphones on, listen to music. That always does it for me. That's your truth? When I'm having a bad day, I just stuff my face. And, and I have to just eat. And that does it for me. That is your truth. That's your truth? That's what you stand on? That's our foundation as a church, really? Yeah. Get a little buzzed. Get a little fool. Take a little walk. Does it for me? No. We're reading the scripture wrong because the answer is here. Here it is. Ready? As I asked you, what is your truth? The, the proper answer should have been this. Lord, your word is my truth. That's why the Bible is filled of, of scriptures like meditate on it day and night. The word is freedom, the Bible teaches. The word is truth, scripture teaches us. And this is important to Christ. And he knows that it is crucial for his disciples. So, so because he knows that it's crucial for you and I, for his disciples who are present with him on this day, what does he pray? He prays none other than this one key thing. Keep them from evil, Lord. They're not of this world. I'm not of this world either. So, so Father, sanctify them in truth because your word is truth. This holiness, this sanctification that you and I are discussing today, listen to this, it is manifested when the word is in us and lives in us. Sanctification happens as the word is applied in me. If the word is not in me, I am not going through the process called sanctification. Sanctification is not separated from his word. Sanctification is manifested through his word. Man, that's good. It's, it's through his word, this sanctification. It's not just about us going into the word. Church, how many times have you heard me say this? It's about the word getting what? Into us. And when we stop just going to the word and we allow the word to start getting into us, bam, sanctification takes place. Holiness takes place. I, I love how the study Bible that, that I was mentioning to you, how it talks about this. Your word is truth. Look, I'm going to quote it. Listen to this. This is implying that God's word does not simply conform us to some other external standard of truth. That's good. But that his word is truth itself. And what this means is that it embodies truth and it therefore it is the standard of truth against which everything else must be tem um, tested and compared. Everything is tested and compared to the word of God. If anything that is tested and compared to the word of God, it is not in place with the word of God, it is not from God. And all of God's people say, Amen. yeah. What do you mean? We know the word. Because once we know the word, we know how to apply the word and see when things are from evil. And when things are from evil, we shun them away because we know the word. That process that I just described, guess what it's called? Sanctification. Setting apart because of what lives in you. My God, if we just understand that. If we just get that. If we could just process that. 
I want you to write this down because it, 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 I was going to say it shocked me. It rocked me. And it rocked me so much that I wrote it down and I want you to write it. Watch this. The more of the word, the more of the word that is in you, the less of the world that is in you. The more of the word that is in you, the less of the world that is in you. You see, with the more of this stuff when it's in you, the more you start telling people, I'm not from here, and they think you're crazy. Like, what the heck are you talking about? You're not from here, dude. See my house? That's not really my house. You're crazy. And you start quoting scripture. You start believing things this book says. You start living it out. You start sharing it with people. It's crazy what this book does to you. It messes up your whole psyche. It messes up your whole mind. It messes up the way you live, talk, walk, eat, everything. It messes you all up. It's, it, it's a good mess up. And then you start telling people you're not from here. You're not of here. You don't speak like that. You don't do like that. You don't think like It's just a whole weird process that you go through because this word starts to become in you and it starts to leak out of you. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing. You start seeing these things and, and it's so powerful because the more that this word is in me, the less of this world is actually in me. It's almost like, 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 like I can't serve two gods. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to love one more than the other. And if I, sub, if I love God and I love his word, but then I love money, I'm going to love one more than the other. I'm going to make one my God. And it's almost the same thing with the word and his world. It's like, it's like do, I, do I love the world more than I love the word? Or should I love the word more than I love the world? And when I love the word more than I love the world, I start to notice that as I'm filled with the world and I start to stuff the word in me, it just begins to drain out all the guck and all the nasty stuff and everything that is the world till finally all of the word fills me and all of the world is emptied out of me and it's something that the word of God does Ow. it's something that the word of God does he, he takes out, it takes out the world to lift up his word. It's almost as if when John the Baptist was praying, John, 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 there's this fellow out there. He's your cousin, I believe. He's baptizing people. All your friends left you. All your church left you. Um, your church has shrunk. Have you noticed by the numbers? Because no one's with you anymore. He's like, yes. What? What? Yes. I don't get it. I need to decrease. Why? So that he can increase. And it's the same thing. Everything about me and the patterns of this world and the way that I think in my flesh need to decrease. Why? So that his truth could increase in me. And John the Baptist hit it on the, on the head with that. Keep out, church. Don't tread over dangerous grounds. Keep out of the great dangers in your life. What do you mean, Pastor Rigo? I don't get it. Still, you don't get it? Stay connected in his word, church. Stay connected in his sanctification. Stay connected in his holiness. And you'll recognize that life becomes easier because this world is less about you. And it's more about him. Amen. I don't want to preach that message again, but just take that. I can't think of anything better to say to end. And there's nothing that I can add to. Because how Jesus ends this marvels me. It, uh, it wows me. Can every eye look at verse 19? Every eye. Anyone brave enough, just because my throat is hurting a little bit, 
Anyone brave enough to read verse 19 nice and loud because I want you to really get it, get it into your spirit today. Verse 19. Go ahead, shoot. First person there, go ahead. Yeah, that's good. By the truth. Wow, wow. Guys, let's just look at this together. Let us sink in. How does Jesus end this prayer? Watch this. And Father, for their sakes, I sanctify me. Remember sanctify what it means? I sanctify myself. So that they also will be sanctified. And by this truth, by the truth, by your truth. I mean, just leave, just leave that there. Just leave that verse up there for a moment. What, what is this verse telling you? Anyone? Raise your hand. What is this verse telling you? He's setting the example. Good. Good. Anyone else? What is this verse telling you? Sorry? We need to die to self. Good. Anyone else? What is this verse speaking to you? Anyone else? It's okay. It's a powerful, powerful verse. Jesus is ending his prayer. Lord, for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they too may be sanctified by the truth. Did, did you catch that? Because you see, they'll never be able to be sanctified if I don't go through that process first. And, and enable, in order for my followers to go through the process of sanctification, I must first fulfill the process of sanctification for them. See, they'll never become, listen, They'll never become if I don't first become it for them. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. See, he sanctified himself in order for you and I to be sanctified. What? That he literally set himself apart. He did the unspeakable so that we can be set apart. Let's be realistic here. Why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why are you in the house of God today? Why are you a Christian? Hey, if you can't answer that with no other way than because of what Christ has done for me, then we're going to have to have classes together and really define why you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian because of everything that Christ has done for you. How many of you can say amen? What has he done for you? Oh, he went through a whole process called sanctification so that you could become sanctified. Lord, I myself have to be sanctified first so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. So when I read this verse, how can we keep out of, how can, sorry, how can we not keep out of all the things that can tarnish my relationship with him? You know, I walk this life with my wife. It even rhymes. And as I walk this life with my wife, I could either be set apart to her or very easily I could let things to come in that could tarnish my relationship with my wife. How many of you have relationships like that, that it's that easy? It's just one wrong decision, one yes, one no. One word could destroy or could tarnish things in your walk with your wife or your husband or your best friend, right? So when I read verse 19, how can I not keep out of all these things that mess up and can mess up my relationship? Because no one has ever done such a great thing for me the way Christ has. No one. 
I have, a great, I have great parents, I have great family, I have, I have everything wonderful. I can't complain. Really, I can't. But still, with everything good that I have, no one can even touch what Christ has done for me. The great danger if I don't see that. I'm going to read a verse to you for some verses as we end. Hebrews 9, it's going to come up here. But if you're taking notes, it's verses 11 through 15. Hebrews 9. I want you to grasp what, what Jesus has done for us, just in case you haven't caught it yet. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. So Christ, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven. It was not made by human hands. It is not part of this creed. Come on, man, just stop for a moment. It's not part of this what? Of this world. You want to know why when Jesus is doing something, it's not part of this world? When Jesus is doing something, the reason why it's not part of this world, it's because what? Jesus himself is what? Not part of this world, and neither are you. Let's keep going for a moment. So he's making something that's not part of this created world. The next verse says, With his own blood, with, with his what? Yeah, yeah. No other blood. Nothing but the blood. Oh, I'm not going to start saying but with his own blood, and not the blood of, don't get confused now, not the blood of goats, not the blood of calves, with Jesus' own blood, with the blood of the Lamb of God, with his blood. Hey, watch this. It's not even your blood. Your blood has no power. Your blood, you cut, it leaks. His blood, it cuts and it saves. I mean, it's powerful. Your blood's just a mess. His blood is like a message. I mean, there's so much in his blood. His blood, because of his blood, he entered the most holy place. Guess what? Guess what? This guy right here, you, we're going to enter into the holy place one day. How? Why? That heavenly tabernacle that we did when we did 11 weeks of the end that we talked about, the, 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 the heavenly tabernacle, when we talked about the end times in Revelation, you and I, we're going to enter it. Why? Why will we enter it, church? Because of what? Because of Oh, you guys are not listening to the message, man. Because of... Come on, y'all make me go crazy up here today. His blood. I'm going to stand before his throne when there is lightnings and thunderings and, and, and rumbling and shakings and earthquakes and, and four-headed beasts and eyeballs and fire and 24 elders that sit around his throne that bow down at his feet and angels that sing, holy, holy, holy. And I'm going to walk into this throne room and I'm going to go... Because of your blood. <laughs> because of your blood, I'm here. Because I'm going to start screaming. Don't kill me. It's because of your blood. <laughs> you wanted this. Uh, it's because of your blood. Think about that. Because of his blood. He entered the holy place once for all. Time and secured. He secured. I love that. Because remember what I just said about our salvation? He secured it. Our redemption is secured. How, how long is our redemption secured for? Forever. Hey, how long is Satan's redemption secured for? Never. Those who are outside of Christ, how long is it, are they secured for? Never. The Bible says they go to the lake of fire where there is, there is weeping, there is gnashing, where it's disastrous forever. But in Christ, we're saved forever in his heavenly throne. Let's keep reading because this is good scripture and I think I'm enjoying it. Every emotion is kicking into the in church. So under the old system, the... Yeah, forget the old system, okay? Don't get so caught. Hey, here, come here, come here. You know, these churches, these pastors, these Christians that get so caught up with the old things, and God's like, I'm doing something new. Stop with all the old stuff. 
You've ever been there? No? All right. Five. Under the old system, there was a blood, right? But it was bloods of goats and bulls. It was the ashes of the young cows. Hey, watch this. Cow ashes and goat blood and, and bull's blood, they, could, they would have been able to cleanse you from ceremonial impurities and all that good stuff. Let's keep going. Just think about how much more, though, the blood of Jesus. Think about that. Think about how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences and purify us from sinful deeds. Come on, man. So that we can worship the living God. For the, by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God. Christ what? Oh, yeah, let's go back to that prayer for a moment. Lord, Father, 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 and for their sakes I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified by the truth. Remember that verse? 19. A whole different book and a whole different verse confirms what we just said. Christ offered. I became your sanctification so that you could become sanctified. Offered himself to God. And he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice. Hey, I love this. Everything that Christ did, I offered up a perfect sacrifice. Dot, dot, dot. Fill the sentence. Huh? Sometimes we got to repeat it to really get it. Christ offered himself as a perfect sacrifice. Are you crazy? For what? It's not even worth it. For what? What's the answer? What's the answer? for your sins, church. It's for your sanctification, church. It's for our relationship, church. It's for your morals, church. I did this for you, church. For your sins. For your sins. Let's keep reading. And that is why he is the one. He mediates now. He stands in the middle of a new covenant between God and us people. So that all who are called, everyone say, I'm called, can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised. Are you guys getting this? Jesus stands in the middle. You're going to walk into God's throne one day, and the Father's going to say, Who are you? And the Son's going to say, He is ours. She is mine, Dad. They are ours, Daddy. They're coming home. They're coming home. And Daddy looks at us and says, Oh, man, come home, sons, daughters. Because of what my son did, the, the first fruit. Because of what the first fruit did. Because of what my son did. There's a resurrection for all. Come home, children. He mediates now, he stands in the middle. So that we can receive the promises of God. For Christ died to set us free. How many of you could say amen? amen? To set us free from the penalty of sins. How many of you could say amen? The sins that we have committed under the first covenant. You see, because under religion, you and I committed so many sins. But in Christ, 
He said, I'm done with that. I'm done with that covenant of old. But in my relationship, oh man, I have sanctified and I redeem you. It's over. You don't have to go to bulls and you don't have to go to goats. And you don't have to go to these other things for truth. For I am truth. The truth is freedom, church. The truth is life. The truth is his word. The truth is his person, Jesus. And how can I do anything that will pervert my stance, my relationship, and my morale before God? What a great danger it is to lose out on this process of life called sanctification. I end with this verse, and it's found in Proverbs that we all know so well. As you turn to Proverbs 4, can you stand with me as we get ready to pray? And I'm going to read verses 23 all the way to verse 27. And the writer says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart springs the issues of life. Put away from you that deceitful mouth. Put those perverse lips far away from you. Set apart, right? Sanctify. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Where are you going, church? What are you standing on? So many things that we've preached on all these verses that we could go back to. Let all your ways be established. Do, do not turn to the right. Do not turn new life to the left. Remove, remove your foot from evil. Sanctify yourself. The message says it this way. Keep vigilant, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. That's a good translation right there. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Man, sanctify yourself from that. Set yourself apart. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions watch your step the road will stretch out smooth before you look neither to your right nor left I like this I like this leave evil in the dust how many of you could say amen Lord like the quote from Mr. Thomas my redemption is important. My redemption is key for me to be in Christ. But Lord, Christ to be in me, that sanctification is needed. To continue to go on. And Lord, I ask you that in this room, Lord, that you would deal with every heart that you would deal with every life that's here. 
that, Lord, we would not commit this great danger. Allow anything to put our relationship with you. We would not let anything stand before our morals. That our actions, that our thoughts, Lord, that our all would be on you. That this process of sanctification, we will not set ourselves away from it, but set ourselves in it. That we would never stop living in your holiness. Let us be holy. Let us be set apart with you. Oh Lord, do we need to just get away for a while. Being set apart with you is when my relationship with you is at its strongest. And Lord, I thank you because everything that I am and will be and everything that I have or will have is because of everything that you have done and will continue to do. You are a great, good, and gracious God. And I pray across this room, if there is someone here that is committing this great danger of separating themselves from your sanctification, from your holiness, that today you have touched hearts, that today they would have seen the importance of what this life and what this walk is about. Touch every person here. Reach every heart, every soul. Encourage every individual. Let more of your word live in them so that less of the world can live in them. Fill them. Let them be set apart because you first were set apart for us. I thank you for this service. I thank you for this word. Now I ask that we would live and walk in this truth. We glorify your name. We lift up your goodness over this place and over our lives. We love you, Lord, in Jesus Christ. And together we say, amen. Can you give God some praise where you're at? Hallelujah. Real quick, church, um, on your desk, on, on your um, seats, <laughs> you have these little flyers. And um, go ahead and take some. Uh, I think we have some more in the back. Lou? Who would have them? I guess just go back there and, and those should be back there. If you want, go ahead and take some and feel free to invite some people. I think someone's standing back there and they'll hand them to you. We love you guys. Not this Wednesday. Next Wednesday, and we'll see you on Sunday uh, in the house of the Lord to be in his word again. You're loved.